passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to the long and winding Royal Road, episode 32, uh, second second episode of 2023. And uh, if you're watching this on the YouTube, um, and why wouldn't you be? Because then you get to see myself and who my guest of the month is. And you'll know that my guest today, this month, is a first-timer. He's been he's been clamoring to be on the show. He's been saying, when, I, when am I going to be on the show? And I said, yeah, we'll see. And then, you know, I thought, we should get we should get this person on and and so he is here he is today he's he's the host of a, a, a little podcast called uh, Shot in the Dark. Ah, uh, look at that with go. the shirt ready. And uh, he's he's part of the the, the post wrestling family the the BD, BDE uh, collective. He's part of this like little like street gang over there called the BSK as well. <laughs> Don't Boys ask about that. Like- Look, look! Look at the logo. We Listen, I, where, when am I getting my hat? I, I can't wear those though. Snapbacks I'm, aren't aren't my well, thing. We'll get though. you a Poison Rana dad hat. Don't worry. Yeah, I need one of those uh, uh, folded brim hats. By the way, it's not a dad hat. Other young people wear those as well. Anyways, it's a, I, I'm going to get one of those plus a a sweatshirt that's going to be worn by by Scrump himself before he sends <laughs> it out. He said he, I asked about that when I was doing a podcast with him. He's like, "You going to wear you going to wear yours before you send it to me." mine before you send it to me he's like if you want i go well uh, we'll see i'll let you know anyways it's john Cena, everyone hi, hi. john how are you I, I'm, I'm so happy to be here finally we're not talking ant-man we're not talking um movies we're, we're talking wrestling which i think is a first for us if i'm not mistaken and i think i'm the second person to have on here that's lived in the city of yonkers unless uh i don't know unless alan farrell lived in yonkers at one point i'm not sure who would be the other one? Would it be would it be one uh, Eddie Kingston? Yes. About? yes, yes, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston. If if you're watching this, I'm the guy that always yells, uh, "Do it for Getty Square!" Whenever I see you wrestle, and only he would know what that means. So okay, 
Well, if it's an inside joke, we won't ask you to explain. No, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a popular neighborhood in uh, in Yonkers, so I'm sure he always catches my, attention. My little joke with John, John, by the way, is like I always like to say he's from the Red Hook section of Brooklyn. Here. Which I'm not even like. If anything, I'm near more the Bronx. Like I'm more like a uh, Westchester, like Paul Heyman, Tommy Dreamer, obviously Eddie Kingston, Country, uh, New Rochelle, cities like that. I'm nowhere near Brooklyn. It's it's more the Bronx area, but it's okay. Yeah. I'll let it slide it's for okay. you. It's okay. So, John, what's your what's your history? Do you have any history with, with being a fan of all Japan pro wrestling? To be honest, no. Like, I mean, when I was growing up, obviously, I, I had WWF, I had WCW. Um, occasionally, I I check out some of the super shows from New Japan. I was kind of introduced with that through the, my cousin. But honestly, I'm I'm learning. I hate to put you over, but I'm learning with you. Like, whenever you have you do one of these shows and you put up the link, and I'll check it out and I'll find out, you know, about the Canaan Express and the, and the British Bulldogs and the, the Malenkos and all this, and it's it's great. So I'm I'm learning as I'm listening to this. So it's 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 all fairly new to me. Um, outside of the the long and winding Royal Road, I really haven't watched too much old Japan. All right. Well, you know, like you picked this match that we're going to talk about today. Um, you must be obviously you're familiar with with both the participants. It's a singles match we're going to look at, and and you mentioned actually, uh, you know, one of the guys already. His name is 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 his his gimmick name is Dan Crawford. His full name is Philippe uh, Lafon, aka Phil Lafon, who you people might know. He he was in the WWF short time, you know. Short, short time with his tag team partner, Doug Furness, and collectively they were known as the Can-Am Express, not the Can-Am Connection. That would be Tom Zink and Rick Martell. Mm. This is the Can-Am Express. Uh, oddly enough, there's actually a connection between Phil LaFon and Tom Zink. They used to be tag team partners in Montreal. We'll talk about a bit about his history in Montreal and, and, and in Japan as well. Um, but yeah, and he's going to be facing, in this match that we're going to talk about, he's going to be facing one Robbie V., AKA Rob Van Dam. And uh why why did you pick this match, John? I honestly wanted to pick um a match with somebody or people that you didn't that you haven't covered before. And I was surprised you didn't cover any of the Canem Express. I thought it, so originally I was gonna go with the Canem Express versus the British Bulldogs, but then I know you just did British Bulldogs versus um the Malenkos not too long ago. So I figured, okay, let me get two guys I'm familiar with. Um I watched them wrestle in ECW. I obviously watched them wrestle in WWF. Um and I don't really know much about Phil LaFon and Doug Furness outside of WWF. They were kind of like you said, they were in and out of WWF and that was it. Outside of ECW, I never really got a chance to to watch them. And I've never seen uh LaFon or or Danny here wrestle a singles match. And uh this is actually his highest rated singles match from Meltzer as well as RBD's highest singles match even higher than the match he had with jerry lynn so i was really curious on on these two having a singles match and and how it would work and especially in old japan so i i thought today would be a nice nice opportunity to like talk about the history of of, of phil lafon uh danny, danny crawford we're gonna we're gonna pre- primarily refer to him as crawford because that's what he was known as in Japan, uh, he's uh, born September sixteenth, nineteen sixty one. He's he's uh, he was born in Ontario here, in, in the province that I live in. And then he he was in. Uh, I was watching a shoot interview with him. There's actually a shoot interview out there with him on YouTube that people should go out and, and, and watch if you want to learn more about him. But he was discovered by Dynamite Kid and Dave Boy Smith uh, in the Gold's Gym in Calgary. And they said, "Hey, you're 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 you look like you could be a wrestler." So they, you know, they invited him down to uh, the dungeon, and he got stretched by Stu Hart. And then uh, 
unlike some other people that they would invite, he he decided, hey, I kind of think this is kind of cool. I'm I'm going to come back. So he kept coming back, and they said, okay, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna reveal the secrets of the world of pro wrestling to you. And then they let him in on the hey, it's a work, it's a kayfabe, it's a mm. shoot. You know, this, these kinds of things. You know. And then he got trained uh, by one Mr. Hito, who was like a a foreign heel of obviously in the eighties in, in Calgary. <laughs> they had many of those in Calgary in the eighties. Uh, he's trained by Mr. Hito, um, so he's not really like you know people don't talk about him as being guy a guy from the dungeon like you would say Chris Jericho. Or, I had no uh, idea. So you just told me honestly. I knew he was from Canada, but outside of that, I had no idea he trained in the in the dungeon. Okay, yeah, he trained in the dungeon by Mr. Hito. He, you know, like same guy who like was very instrumental in the training, doing a lot of training for for Bret Hart as well. So you know, he comes from a good pedigree there. Uh, he 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 would do like you know territorial wrestling in Canada for the most part. Like also do something, and I think he did some work in the Pacific Northwest, maybe in, in the, the Portland uh, territory. Uh, but he, he, I first saw him as a fan. I first saw him as Dan Crawford. I would say around 1986, uh, he, he, here in Toronto, we used to get the, the Montreal territory, international wrestling. Uh, we get, we get the shows on, uh, on a Saturday afternoon around 1 PM. So I just finished watching superstars of wrestling, the WWF show. And then it would be Maple Leaf wrestling. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was like WWE Superstars of Wrestling, from which looks like it was always shot out of like Buffalo or something like that, or Rochester or something like that. And then, like uh, CHCH Channel 11 used to have Maple Leaf Wrestling, which was shot primarily, I think, in in Hamilton. But then they did like the squash matches, and but then they show like a feature match from a Maple Leaf Garden show with the ramp. It was really cool. And then you also get international wrestling, Montreal's international wrestling, which at the time. According to Danny Crawford, was like booked by Rick Martel, Dino Bravo, and I believe Gino Brito. So they bring him in. He's Phil Lafon, but he's he said his his French was terrible. So in in in, in a Quebec territory, you gotta speak if you if you have a French name. You, your French better be pretty good, like Rick Martel's was, or the, the the Gino Bravo's was, or or the Rougeau brothers was. But they said, okay, we're gonna have to give you a different name because if you, if you're not if your French isn't isn't fluent, like super fluent, na- like native speaker fluent here, they're gonna turn on you. They said, okay, let's pick a name for you. And then he's like, I don't know, think, think of a name. So so apparently Rick Martel said, you're gonna be now known as Dan Crawford, unbeknownst to uh, him. <laughs> Dan Crawford was actually the name of a wrestler out in Calgary who already existed. But so there's a little confusion sometimes about hey, which which Dan Crawford. It's like there's a wrestler named Biff Wellington. There's two, uh-huh. you know. It's like. Which one's which? There's one in Calgary. There's one somewhere else. I don't know. It, anyways, it's a it's it's a it's a little funny detail you have with uh, Dan Crawford. And then uh, he he primarily teamed at first with a wrestler by the name of Alofa. Do you know who Alofa would famously become? Alofa. No, yes. who's that? He's part of the Samoan dynasty. And what year was this? Eighty six. Eighty-six, yeah, Alofa. young wrestler by the name of Alofa who would, who would, who would sire, yeah, a, a family of wrestlers. He has three sons in wrestling right now. Is it a a Mr. Rikishi? It is. It's the Sultan. The Sultan. That's not Savio Vega, though, right? That's not Savio Vega. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Brandon from New Jersey. <laughs> Savio Vega was fucking Quang, not the yeah. fucking Sultan. All right. Anyways, I already called him. By the way, I messaged him already and said, "Don't know who the Sultan was." Anyways. He's teaming with Lofa. They're feuding with the Long Riders for the International Tag Team Championships. 
I was he always stood out to me. I was like, this guy's like a solid in ring technician. He's he's nice balance with with uh, Alofa, who's like more of a high flyer. And you wouldn't, I swear to God, I think if you, if I watched tape back of that of those guys teaming at that time, I would not recognize Rikishi as being Alofa because he was like he looked completely different. So so much younger and like I I, I kind of wonder if I go back, does he look like his sons? Does he look like you know uh, Jimmy or Jay? Or, Probably or sometimes, like, like even solo. Like, I, I see a lot of solo in in like young Rikishi for sure. Usos maybe not so much, but definitely solo. Yeah, uh, he he would make his way to All Japan Pro Wrestling in 1988. Uh, initially teaming with a uh, giant uh, with with uh, Danny Spivey. Uh, apparently, he was brought over as a quartet of wrestlers along with with uh, with Doug Furness. Who he, would, he would later be paired with permanently by Jan Baba as the Cabinet Express, but also with uh, with Tom Zink, who he uh, teamed with. Actually, he won the the Montreal the, the you know the uh, the international wrestling tag team titles with Tom Zink in Montreal, uh, and also as well as a young Dustin Rhodes. Uh, so there's a interesting. Imagine if Dustin Dustin Ronalds Dustin Rhodes stayed in all Japan and never went to WCW. What would his career have been like? We never would have gotten Gold Dust and Seven, and yeah. Well, I think we could have lived without Seven. <laughs> you, but uh, all right, so yeah, so him and and so this is where you know Dan Crawford gets his 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 big successes in the tag team with with Doug Furness, the Canem Express, and uh, you know I'll, I'll say talking about Doug Furness maybe at a different time if I ever do a singles match or another Canem Express match, which I'm sure he will. They were one of my favorite tag teams of all time, especially from this era. Um, they 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 would hold the uh, the All Asia Tag Team Titles five different times from from 1989 to 1994. So for five years they would like win the titles, lose the titles, and then win the titles like pretty much once every year. So they were pretty much uh, you know married to those belts. They were like if you think about those titles, they're one of the first names that comes up as being like a signature team that held those belts. So um, and I'm sure I'm going to talk about them in the future so uh there's a little bit of noise coming through john uh noise sounds like a heater air conditioner i don't know what it is sorry yeah winter time in new york there's a lot of weird strange noises so it's okay it's okay we we don't want you to freeze we don't want uh uh your your roommate there to freeze either yeah not talk about your cat either let's talk about uh lorenzo okay i was gonna say (laughs) so that's okay so uh, Furnace and Crawford would also have success outside of Japan. They they would hold the UWA World Tag Team titles in Mexico uh, twice in 92 and uh, 93 and uh, also hold the ECW World Tag Team titles in 1997. And did you ever see them when they wrestled in ECW? I did, yeah, after the fact. I think after the time in WWF, I went back and I'm pretty sure I saw them against RVD and Sabu, if I'm not mistaken. Who, who do they win the tag team titles from? I forget. Was that's it, was a good it, question? I don't. The Eliminators was it around I, that time? I, I think I think it would have been probably the, the Eliminators. That yes, would have I been uh, right. Would have been interesting to see like this polished tag team take on like you know at the time like Perry Saturn and and John Cronos were like uh, Perry Saturn's always been a good wrestler, but I think when he was in the Eliminators, he's just like a spot dude. Yeah, yeah. and Cronos just did a lot of spots and just wrecked people, which which is fine in and of itself. But I wonder. I have maybe I have to. Have a, hunt down that match and see what if it was any good anyways they would have a year-long stint in the uh, wwf where Crawford would go under his real name of phil lafon um which is interesting i guess they just thought no we we don't like this danny Crawford name so you're you're what's your real name 
can you just imagine Mc, Vince McMahon saying, pal, what's your real name? Phil Fawn? Oh, that's great. Let's go with that. This Dan Crawford's bullshit. All right. Anyways, uh, Crawford uh, would also have some uh, single success in All Japan. He would hold the PWF World Junior Heavyweight Championship twice. Once uh, he, he he won it first on May 21st, 1993, ending Masanobu Fuchi's 1,309-day reign for uh, <clears throat> losing it back to him on August 23rd. So he only had one defense, and he lost the belt right away back to Fuchi. But he would regain the title from Fuchi on July 12th, 1994, and hold it for 425 days, having five successful defenses against uh, Yoshinari Gawa twice, Siyoshi Kikuchi, uh, Satoru Asako, before finally losing to Ogawa on September 10th, 1995. And of course, he would also defend this belt against Rob Van Dam in the match that we will talk about. I'll get a bit more detail about uh, that match in a second. But uh, if, if you want to know, like, other accolades that Dan Crawford has, he, he, has, he is the uh, recipient of the Wrestling Observer Match of the Year from 1992 for his uh, classic All-Asia Tag Team title match that he and Doug Furness have against Yoshi Kikuchi and one Kenta Kobashi that occurred on May 25th, 1992 in Sendai. So uh, I'm sure I'm going to, I've yet to recover, uh, you know, I've yet to review this, that match. I'm it will. I think this year I'm going to, I have an idea of, of reviewing it with a particular person. Uh, so probably get to that sometime this year, John. Anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, Robbie V. Uh, Rob Van Dam. I, I don't think I really have to go too in depth about him. I think a lot of people know his history, but uh, you know, Rob Van Dam would toil in the Indies and be you know enhancement talent for the first couple of years of his career, for before getting his big breaks. I feel in 1993, as as Robbie V in WCW and in All Japan, he he would get booked both places in uh, 93 as 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 the name he wanted to go by, which was Rob Van Dam, and. Uh, he was a solid part of the undercard and junior division from 1994 until basically he leaves in 97 to work full time in ECW. And uh, I don't know any any thoughts on 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 Rob Van Dam before we get into uh, the, the match. No, I'm just curious. Like on commentary, I didn't notice them name drop a one Jean Claude Van Dam. So do you know if like in storyline they like actually said he was related to Jean Claude? Like I'm not sure if that's something. No, that they... I I'm pretty sure what, and I I actually make notes about this about the, this commentary. By the way, I'm gonna get I'm gonna talk about the commentary. The 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 play by play guy. I don't know his name. He is hilarious. He just makes so many awesome comments in this match but i think they're more like oh yeah he's he's uh he named himself after jean claude and i think they also talk about the fact that he kind of looks like jean claude van damme and uh they 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 like i think it's, it's more of a kind of a a point of point of humor for them to talk not there's no really storyline where they're, 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 i don't think anyone's gonna believe that he's actually jean claude van damme's like younger brother or, or anything yeah. like that and even like up to like the last year or so he was still like i think what, wrestling in noah or so so he's still making occasional trips to japan i feel like rbd uh maybe that's kind of like i think that was like a couple of dates and then they okay. said probably he cost too much i don't know gotcha so i'm wondering like is he like held in like high regards in japanese wrestling or was it more kind of like a brief stint and they just know him more for his wws stuff um the latter i don't i don't think he necessarily made that much of an impression i don't think many people know like even in north america like that or you know other you know western audiences know that he's he did like three years in all japan as a junior 
I don't think I think that's kind of a hidden part of his career, you know. So uh, I, I think really people don't know anything about Rob Van Dam's career before '97. To be honest with you, it's it's in, in people like I don't think they know they're they're that familiar with the stuff he did as Robbie V in WCW, and he was just enhancement talent back then, anyway. So wouldn't really matter but we're going to talk about this match uh dan crawford versus rob van dam from june 9th 1995 from budicon hall uh where Aubrey d will challenge dan crawford for his world junior champ- championship uh and i'm gonna let's talk a bit about the card before uh, the rest of the card before we get to this match john uh so to open we have a tag team match with masawa uh, masao inoue and mighty inoue no relation and they defeat Manokea, Mossman, and Mitsuo Momoto in 8 minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, Satoru Asako defeats Mike Anthony in 6 minutes and 58 seconds. There's a six-man tag team match. The Holy Demon Army and Kentaro Shiga. This, this version of the HDA con- consisting of Siyoshi Kikuchi and Yoshinari Ogawa. And they defeat the team of Jun Akiyama, Takao Omori, and uh, Taman Honda, who we talked about in last uh, month's episode. Uh, tag team match Johnny Ace and the Patriot defeat Bobby Duncombe Jr. and Doug Furness. So Doug had to do something while while, while Dan Crawford was uh, doing something. So he teamed with Bobby Duncombe Jr. Uh, Six man tag team match Abdullah the Butcher, Giant Baba, and Russia Kimura defeat Haruka Aigen, Masanobu Fuchi, and Ryukaku Izumida. This is this would be the the comedy match on 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 the show, and this is usually you know they always have one at least one comedy. Six man with the older older veterans uh, doing like a kind of you know humor. I don't. I never thought they were that funny myself, but yeah, yeah it is what it is. Uh, of course, we have the match we're going to talk about: Crawford versus Van Dam. Following that would be a singles match between Stan Hansen against Giant Kim Mala, not Kamala, but Kim Mala. And uh, he Stan Hansen goes over him in five minutes and nine seconds. And the the main event is probably the most famous tag team match in the history of wrestling. For those of you who are part of the, uh, the you know, the internet wrestling community, <laughs> not for just WWF fans, but it's the Holy Demon Army, Akira Tawe and Toshiaki Kawada take, taking on and defeating the Super Generation Army of Kendo Kobashi and Misahara Masawa for the... Uh, world tag team titles and this is a show i i did a review of on uh episode 24 with with john pollock so go go let's go watch the match and then go listen to that review it's a it's a very fun show itself um so before we get into this there's a couple of different versions of this match on the internet john i I, i'm gonna link the youtube uh version but i saw one on daily motion that had uh you know, they had full entrances. So you see Rob Van Dam. I don't know what music he came out to, but we saw I saw Dan Crawford come out to Welcome to the Jungle, which which might have been one of the most popular entrance songs for wrestlers in the like late late eighties and nineties. Yeah, I the version I saw didn't have the entrances, but when he won I, I, I heard the uh the old Guns N' Roses playing. So I'm like, oh look at that, it's pretty cool. But you, you didn't know what uh, RBD came out to him? It wasn't Pantera Walk, right? No. Not yet. No, no, I don't I don't I think it was probably just some generic song that he he picked or or that maybe was picked for him by by uh all japan so uh, let's get into the match here so we start and crawford has doug furnace in his corner um rvd is introduced and gets a nice reaction from the crowd 
just keep in mind he has been wrestling here for a couple of years by this point uh the play-by-play guy uh like i said is great as he likes to give a little details like that this is you know Crawford's fourth defense of the title and that rvd is the guy with the ponytail and the singlet he's like if you don't know he's the guy with the ponytail he keeps talking about his ponytail it's really it's a uh, it's really interesting he also makes a point that Crawford's finisher is uh usually is the tiger driver so the match starts. They start off with a, a feeling out exchange, you know, like testing each other's out, testing each other out, and then you know, seeing what uh, what's going to work against each other. Uh, Crawford gets RVD to the ropes and gets the advantage with a spinning kick to the gut and a series of of chops and kicks. And, and one thing I have to note about this kick, the spinning kick, is that it's not very graceful. Like I like Crawford, I think he's a great wrestler. But one thing I think w- w- would stand out with his strikes, especially, is he's not the most. Uh, the what the most graceful striker in in wrestling like he doesn't have like kind of the the uh the finesse of say like Van Dam or like uh, Toshiaki Kawada or or like you know later on like people like Katsuhiro Shibata he kind of reminds me of like a proto version of of Landstorm in that regard yeah I can see that and and in this match alone like against somebody like RVD who was like straight his strikes are obviously so much better it definitely stood out to me as well uh, Crawford calls Rob a boy and asks him if he wants to be a man, which the commenter, commentator makes note of. Uh, Van Dam counters an Irish wave with the splits into an inverted arm drag and then hits a middle rope by press, and which which pops the crowd. I, I thought this looked great. No, absolutely. This this whole match, I feel like, like did we get to the spot where Danny spit in RVD's face? Not yet. That, that's a little while. Yeah, because like that. Once we got to that, that's like when the matches hit like an overdrive to me. But yeah, I think the, the crowd was totally into this match. Um, and like, I mean, obviously they're well aware with both of them, but like they were totally giving both of them a good reaction. I feel like. Uh, RVD takes control with a side headlock until Crawford hits a hook kick to RVD's jaw. Crawford is able to land on his feet off of uh, RVD's monkey flip and is quite proud of himself, uh, rightly so. And as he turns around, Rob is sitting on the top turnbuckle and gives him the finger. To which the commenter points out that he just did the "quote unquote" fuck off to Crawford. I'm fucking dying at this point. Like he he says fuck 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 you or fuck off. Okay, to I was gonna ask you about that because the version that I saw was on YouTube, and when he's on the top rope and he, he flips him off, there's like there's a noticeable cut, and like next thing you know, like he went from the top rope to they're in the middle of the ring facing off again. So I'm guessing that's what it was. The version that I saw, they must have edited that out because I didn't hear him curse at all. Oh no no he like the, it's, he doesn't curse. It's the commentator. Oh, the curses. Okay. The commentator says, "Oh, he just said fuck you to Crawford." Gotcha. Okay. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, Rob lands a series of kicks, goes for a jumping spinning one, but Crawford ducks, and they are at a standoff. Much of the appreciation of the audience, uh, Crawford shakes his hand in respect, and we see the early seeds of Ring of Honor here. With how so? Just the. Uh... Oh, with the handshake. Come on. Yeah. This is this is the match that inspired Gabe oh, Kowalski to create the Code them? of Honor. This is what inspired us, so this is the match that started. You don't know this? This is <laughs> you don't know that this is the match Gabe Sapowski watched like along with Rob Feinstein back in the day when they were still talking, you know, before Rob Feinstein was exposed as uh well, you know, everyone knows yeah. this. Story. Um but uh yeah, they were like, Man, look at the respect he showed Rob there. We gotta have that in our in our future wrestling promotion when ECW eventually dies because Paul's Paul Paul's not paying anybody, you know. So that's I don't know. I, I'm making that shit up, but it, you know, it sounds plausible. It, Why not? It's plausible. <laughs> it's plausible with 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 Gabe Sapolsky. It, it, it's probably plausible. Uh, 
Uh, as Rob locks in another side headlock, the announcer explains the origin of the, his Van Damme name as an homage to uh, one Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Crawford gets out of the headlock with a knee to the gut, and he and RVD have another back-and-forth exchange with RVD getting a sunset flip for a two-count. Uh, and I got to make a point, John. I really like the pacing of this match and how it just builds upon itself. Like, they start off feeling each other out. One guy gets the advantage. Uh, the guy counters it. Get, he gets the advantage. And, like, the they trade off, like, control segments. But it's really a nice building of, like, RVD up. Like, Crawford's pretty much in control for most of this match. And, uh, you know, like, it, it's interesting that Rob's, like, big control segment is is actually just a side headlock that he puts on Crawford and and he holds on to it for, for a couple of minutes. And it, it's uh, maybe it's the longest side headlock spot you'll ever see in a Rob Van Dam match. Yeah, it didn't feel too long, honestly. Like, the whole match just moved really fast for me. Um, but, yeah, this is, like, a great clash of styles, I feel like. And, like, like is this how Danny usually his singles matches are? Or did Rob Van Dam kind of bring something out of him? Because, like, I don't know if this is, like, his usual style. Well, he this would be, yeah, this is the only American wrestler he faces. Oh, okay. In for this title um, that I can think. I'm sure he's had singles matches probably with like the Malenko's Dean and Joe back in the day. I had to check. Um, and he would have like singles matches against like guys who are heavyweights, even though he's kind of like borderline, like Can-Ams were, weren't necessarily considered a junior heavyweight team because, right. you know, Doug Furness is not by any stretch of the imagination, a junior heavyweight. Yeah. But uh, Crawford is considered one. So that's why he's given uh, that belt because he proved like he's a great wrestler and like Baba liked him a lot. Um, but he, he, he had that style. Yeah. Like depends on who he's working. I think, I think probably Van Dam just brought out a bit more uh, of a dynamic feel to this match because like, he's not really used to seeing someone with like that kind of high flying style, you know, uh, in all Japan, like a lot of the guys in who are juniors are primarily like, you know, like ground uh, wrestlers or, you know, like hard hitters. Not not too many high flyers, actually, even in the junior division. Uh, th- th- that's to come in pro wrestling Noah with like Marafuji and Kenta, you know. So, but yeah, I think I think Rob really brings out that kind of like, you know, more exciting aspect to to uh, this Crawford match here. That's the one thing I give to RVD. I feel like a lot of people, a lot of times when he fights people, he always brings out like a different side of them. Um, so you probably have, Danny probably had that many chances to wrestle guys and kind of stretch them out with their ponytail, right? Yeah, well, he uh, we'll get to that in a second. Well, first, we're gonna we're gonna talk about RVD gets uh, Crawford in position for the Romero special and and sets it up with some nice kidney shots to to to, to from the back. Uh, first, Crawford is uh, too close to the ropes and is able to escape to the outside. Uh, this is the part you were talking about. Danny spits in Rob's face, much to the displeasure of everyone in Budokan Hall. Uh, Rob responds with a jumping kick off the apron to the back of Crawford's head. This it's was if- this was vicious. Like he was like this is he looked like a man that just got spit in the face and he wanted some some he wanted to give him his, his receipt right away because that jumping kick came out of nowhere the way it was framed too. It and he and beautiful. he and he kicks it right in the back of the head too. And he, he says him crashing into a ringside photographer, poor fella who who who's a true pro because as soon as uh, he can he he recovers and he starts taking photos again because he knows like I got to get pictures of this match or my editors gonna get a flip out on me uh there's a suplex on the blue mats and then a black flip to crawford uh crowd is really into this uh rob goes back to the side headlock but uh crawford responds with a backdrop driver dropping rvd on the top of his neck um 
not not too good. It was very, uh, you know, this is what happens when you wrestle in all Japan, you know. So you get dropped on your head a lot. Uh, Danny suplexes Rob over the top rope to the outside of the ring. There's a gourd buster to the floor. <laughs> Sucks to be RVD right now, John. Yeah, he was. Oh, he, there were that outside spot, like just all those moves. He was definitely taking it, and he's probably not used to this type of style. I feel like him as well, like fighting in Japan. I don't know if he, did he have that many opportunities to have these type of like outside the match brawls. Outside the uh, no, it, if, yeah, it depends. Like if he's wrestling Stan Hansen, maybe because Stan Hansen likes to just throw people out, especially young boys. He likes to throw them outside the ring and, and batter around to, to break him into the business, as as it were. You know, it's all right. D- D- Danny Crowfat was just giving him a little uh, appetizer what he was going to have over there in uh, the a hundred arena in Philadelphia. That's right. Uh, Crawford gets RVD in position for his own Romero special, but he decides that instead of using the arms. To pull Rob back, he'll use his ponytail instead. Thus letting us know that the announcer's constant references to the ponytail, ponytail have paid off. Like you, like you wouldn't believe how many times this announcer, this play-by-play guy, just talks about the fucking ponytail. Oh, the ponytail, the ponytail, the ponytail, the ponytail. And it was like, ah, maybe maybe Crawford, you know, clued him in on the fact, hey, I'm going to do the Romero special, and I'm going to pull on his ponytail. So talk it up so the TV audience is like, you know, ah, that that that's why you're talking about it so much. Yeah, there must not have been that many other wrestlers with ponytails. I mean, Doug Furness had a ponytail, right? I mean, he has hair tied back. I don't know if he. he, he I don't think he ponytail? not during the match. Not during oh, okay. the match. He took it off during the match. Uh, Crawford jumps off the second rope with the most ungraceful senton in the in the history of wrestling. He just like looks like he's doing a like a back flop off a diving board into a pool here. Danny locks in the Cobra Clutch, and and uh, Rob barely escapes by grabbing the ropes. Rob is able to backdrop Jan- Danny to the floor, and he follows up with a flip plancha onto a waiting Crawford. So this is basically the point where really Van Dam just like unleashes, you know, RVD like with all the the kind of daredevil, you know, stuff to the outside and and high flying stuff. What did you think? Of, is this at this point in the match, John? It's like okay, this is the RVD. I think people are really going to recognize. Not side headlock, Rob Van Dam. No, like I said, once he like he got spin in the face, I feel like he like turned into the second gear and he just was like giving like, everything to uh, to Danny here. He was like, "This is the RVD that, that I wanted." Because like I'm watching a match and I'm like, "Yeah, this is not the RVD that I'm used to." But like once he like snapped the second gear, this is exactly what I was expecting from him. And because I was like, the match is good, but like I'm like, why is it rated so high? But well, once I saw like this all happen, it's like, okay, now I know, I understand why this match is uh is so held, you know held in up regard. Uh, Crawford rolls back in and RVD follows him by going to the top rope and hitting a beautiful missile karate kick. RVD hits a float over vertical suplex and then he floats over into a pinning position for a two count. I thought this looked great. I, I wish I he 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 did this more like in his WWE career. Yeah, for sure. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you... Well, thank you. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Uh, Crawford reverses an Irish whip with a knee to the gut and DDT uh, driving RVD's head into the mat looked great. The DDT that was beautiful. Like I had to actually rewind it a couple times. Like, is he known to do DDTs like that? Crawford? Yeah, I think he did a lot of stuff. I can't. I I can't remember every every move he's done in the match, but it looked good. Uh, Danny goes for his tiger driver, me, but Rob drives him into a corner. But Danny unleashes a series of knees to his face. These look great. It looked like he's just like peppering Rob's jaw with his knees. He, he then jumps off the middle turnbuckle, but Rob catches in midair with a belly-to-belly suplex. RVD hits a six, uh, slingshot leg drop for a two-count. Great he, stuff. Yeah, he was finally able to to hit that. Like, the first time when he went for it, and, like, the way that, like, Danny just, like, stopped him, like, with the kick, like, that was, like, innovative. I don't know if anybody's ever done that before. Like, blocking the split-legged moonsault, like, with, like, the kick to the back of RVD, that was beautiful. But he was able to hit it the second time. Oh, yeah, so he goes... He goes for uh, the split like a moonsault. This is the first time. Yep. But Crawford kicks him in the sh- uh, in the shin mid jump. That was Rob. Great. Yeah, it's great. It's just like so simple. Simplicity is is beautiful. There's an elegance in simplicity, especially in wrestling. Uh, Rob retaliates with a kick to the gut and then a spinning kick to the back of Crawford's head. Poor man. And then spin jumps and lands ass first onto the poor man's kidneys for a two count. It, it's like okay, fuck you. I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna like potato you. Like, and I'm, I'm probably sure it's like Crawford doesn't mind because he's he's just gonna give it back to him later on. Like, I always hear like you know, all Japan wrestling is like looks so realistic. But like when I'm watching this, I'm like, these guys are like beating the crap out of each other. Honestly, like that's what I, it legit felt like. And I'm like, it makes you think for a second. Like, is this like legit? Obviously, we know it's not. But like, just the, the, their intensity and the way that they were like attacking each other, it makes everything look legit. And this is honestly the type of wrestling that I like. And I'm upset I didn't like watch this growing up because I feel like I would have had more appreciation, especially the old Japan. But like seeing it now makes me like understand why people like you talk about this era in such high regard because this is like legit like fighting i wouldn't even call it wrestling to me at this point uh crawford tries to fire fire back with some elbows but rob jumping back kicks him in the nose and this is where he likely uh where crawford likely gets his nosebleed from that we see later on uh yeah no well someone getting a nosebleed from a from from rob van dam in a match wow unheard of not not like he's very known for like causing people to be start bleeding from their mouth or or, or their nose but hey it's it's wrestling. What can you do? It's fine. As long as nobody's getting hurt. I mean, obviously, you're getting a broken nose, but other than that, you're fine. Ah, it's broke, you know, 
bleeding nose doesn't necessarily mean broken nose. So, uh, fri- Raw finally hits the split legged moonsault for a close two. Crowd pop for it. I I remember the first time I saw the split legged moonsault. I think it was like that time he he became Mister Monday Night with Jerry Lawler, and he's fighting Jeff Hardy. I think and I was like, whoa. That's an yeah. awesome move. I was going to ask you, like, I mean, besides Robin Dam, who is like the closest person in this era, especially in old Japan, that would even come closer to RVD? Because you would think a lot of the moves that he was doing, they must not have seen unless it was somebody that was doing these type of maneuvers. No, no. I mean, like the thing with Van Dam is like he, he really perfected like the splits, dude, using the splits, right? Like, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? I mean, I think that's probably where like, oh, you kind of look like Van Damme. You should, you should change your name to Rob Van Dam. I mean, okay, you know, like I'm pretty limber. Like I do martial arts, legit. I'm pretty, you know, uh, flexible. Like I'll start using the splits, like like Van Dam does. Who knows? He was a huge JCVD fan growing up, and he just like, fuck, I gotta use splits when I get become a wrestler. But uh, no, like I, I do think even now, I think he's probably still a very unique, you know, wrestler with his style, especially using like things like the split, like a moonsault and and yeah. And, there really hasn't been anybody that's even like come close to like his type of style. I feel like it's very unique. Um, uh, Rob hits a JCVD punch the guy uh, to the gut. Sorry, kind of like you know, like the Van Dam's a uh, dick punch in what is it, Bloodsport? Bloodsport, yeah, and that would later be copied in what Mortal Kombat with Johnny Cage. You know, that's like what it's like now. It's like a staple. Everybody thinks it's the Johnny Cage uh, dick punch, but it's really not. It's the John Claude Van Dam Bloodsport. Uh, there's an overhead chop, and he tries to uh, whip uh, Crawford, who collapses to the mat. This is a great spot. RVD quickly goes over, goes for a cover. You know, whereas someone today in that kind of spot, if that happened, they would just decide, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a, a standing 630 uh, splash first and then try to pin him. No, RVD, he collapses. Oh, he's out. I'm going to go cover him. That, Beautiful. That was wonderful. Like, I've never seen that before. I've seen people, like, collapse with whips. But, like, for someone to actually, like, use his brain and actually go for the cover, I'm like, oh, that's, that's genius. I don't think I've ever seen that before. That was really cool. If it was, if it was like, Jeff Hardy, he'd go out, get a ladder first, and then, like, and then do a, try to do a swanton, thus giving his opponent enough time to recover, and, and, and he'd miss. But not Van Dam. That's proving that Rob Van Dam is a smarter wrestler than, than Jeff Hardy. No, for real. Like you would think if, you, if you're in a fight where if you're in a wrestling match and your opponent collapses and falls, your first thought is, okay, this guy, something's wrong with thing. Let me go for the cover. He obviously can't get up, right? So that was very smart. Uh, RVD fucks up a powerbomb attempt, but follows up with a, a failed uh, <laughs> Firebird Splash. <laughs> Lands on his face. Uh, can you imagine doing that many rotations and you just like crash face first into the mat instead of like, you know, he, making body-to-body contact with your opponent like he's gonna cushion you to some degree right so. yeah, i was gonna ask like was that like that like was he meant to do that like obviously not like it just it looked off which is good i feel like in matches like this i i think be. he doesn't do like something like the firebird splash okay. like he maybe he's he was like hey man this guy hayabusa he's he does this match i think he did a lot of stuff that he did like you know it like before ecw that he just said i don't need to do that stuff i i do enough I'm going to do just like, just, and he just it starts incorporating ECW style more, right? So I think that's, that's why he doesn't do as many of these, like, kind of like, you know, Hayabusa, Two Cold Scorpio type of era news, like when we get to see him in ECW and, and WBE. Uh, Crawford goes for another Tiger Driver, but Rob counters with a backslide pin attempt that gets it close to RVD hits some strikes. And uh, then hits the ropes, but Crawford has been working all Japan long enough to be waiting with a lariat. 
that nearly decapitates RVD. Beautiful. Like this is where he, years of oh. getting hit by a, this is what years of getting hit by Stan Hansen and Kenny Kobashi does to you. He, he just like, yeah, he flipped RVD inside out with this one. This is another spot that I had to go back and watch again. This is beautiful. Uh, Crawford hits a, a beautiful top, top rope swanton for a two and then follows up with the tiger driver. But again, only gets, gets a two count here. Uh, RVD, uh, gets uh, Crawford gets RV to the rope and then does what, what would you say? I call it an inverted back suplex, flipping RVD over and driving his face into the mat for the one, two, three. I was gonna ask you, I'm like, is this like one of his moves? Like, obviously, he does a tiger driver, but like when he did this, I'm like, what exactly was he trying to do or what did he do? Is this something that he has done before? Because it looked beautiful, uh, whatever it was. I can't, no, I think, I think he, he's like, okay, tiger driver. Not gonna finish him off. I gotta do something else. So this, you know, this is typical of of all Japan style, King's Road style, where you're gonna get, you know, okay, I'm gonna do something a little bit more dangerous, usually from the top rope, you know, an avalanche style maneuver or you know, missile something maneuver from the top rope or or whatever. And and he decided I'm gonna give him a kind of it starts off as kind of a a, a side suplex from the top rope, mm-hmm. uh, but instead of like RVD landing on his back, he you know, Crawford decides to flip him over midair. As uh, and he lands on his face, and then this is enough to to take him out for the one, two, three in uh in seventeen minutes and ten seconds. And, and John, what what did you think overall about this match? It started off slow, like I said, but once we saw the spot where 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 Crowfat spit in RBD's face, it just went into second drive there. All those kicks that those every time RBD did a side kick, I'm just like, this is beautiful. But like some of these moves, like the Swanton, I didn't expect that. I'm wondering if Jeff Hardy was watching this maybe when he was backstage getting ready for a I don't know, to carry out King Mabel at the King of the Ring, whatever he was doing in '95. If he saw that, maybe he was like, I need to use that uh, if I ever start, you know, main eventing on this show. Um, but yeah, this this match was great. Honestly, I honestly didn't know who was gonna win. Like, I didn't know until the match started that that he was a champion. So I'm like, okay, I, I'm pretty sure I would have known if RVD held this title in all Japan. So I kind of like thought, okay, maybe it's a non-title match. I really didn't know who was gonna win. So and then when he pulled out that top rope move, I'm like, I didn't know he's gonna go for the pen with that. So it definitely was a, a victory out of nowhere. Uh, what would you give this for as a star rating? Hmm, let's see. I don't usually do stars. So out of five stars, I probably would go with a good four and a quarter, I would think. All right. I, I'm a little bit higher. I gave it four, four and a half, four and three quarters, 4.75 okay. stars for me. I, I, I really like this match a lot. I think it's a great showcase for, for Crawford and for like a young Van Damme. I think uh, it's a nice clash of styles. It's, a nice, it's nice to see Rob Van Damme working a more grounded style but like at the beginning of the match and then really turning it up as you say uh getting into second gear and then i think really by the end by like the last five seven minutes he's really into third gear and just trying to hit as much as stuff much stuff as he can that they will later see become like staples in in his uh his run as a, as a main event guy in ecw and in the wwe um yeah i i, I totally recommend it i this is uh I think this is one of RVD's best career matches up there with any of his uh, Jerry Lynn matches, any of his matches with Lance Storm up there with like who, who were, I don't know, like his stuff with, with Eddie Guerrero back in, in uh, the few times they wrestled in the WWF, WWE. Um, just great. If you're a fan of Rob Van Dam, you want to go back, watch some of his stuff. I do recommend checking out. Um, you can skip basically his, his WCW career, but check out some of the stuff he does in, in all Japan, especially like when he's like, teaming with stan hansen which is which is hilarious because like can you imagine stan hansen the straight-laced guy from texas from you know great from like you know 
coming up in the 60s and 70s and like you got Rob Van Dam sitting next to him. That'd be hilarious on the bus, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, when I looked up some of RBD's matches and um, in Japan, like, I saw he was part of a tag team called Aerial Assault, but his tag team partner, I never heard of him before or since. I'm trying to get his name right now, actually, but, like, he was part of a tag team in all Japan for a while. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't. Bobby Bradley, uh, Robert- that was that was his name. It was Robin Dam and Bobby Bradley. They were a tag team for a while there, but whoever Bradley was, he obviously didn't uh, have the same success as his tag team partner. No, probably just, like, maybe he's just a flippy dude. Like like Van Tamp was, and but he didn't have he didn't have any charisma. Like I've never heard of Bradley. I don't think anyone's ever going to pick an aerial assault, you know, match from All Japan for me to review. I, I doubt. It. I've never heard of this tag team to be honest with you. Like Rob Van Dam's career in All Japan is kind of a bit of a blind spot for me because like he's not one of the pillars. He's not a heavyweight guy. But uh, I, yeah, I, you know what? That being said, I'm glad you picked this match. I think uh, if if you were there. In Budokan on June 9th, 1995, and you got this. And then you had, like, you know, the, the piss break match with Stan Hansen versus Giant Kimala, too. Then you get the, you know, the barn burner of Kobashi and Misawa versus Kawada and Niktawe. You, you'd probably be pretty happy with, with, with that, with a night of wrestling like that. No, absolutely. Uh, I, this makes me want to check out both of their matches. Like, if let's just say I only knew Philophon from from WWF. Like, he was there like what, not even a couple months ago. I feel like, and like just knowing like what he's capable here. Like, it makes me want to see more of his matches, more of RVD's matches for sure. But yeah, ninety five, like great year in wrestling, great year in hip hop, as you would know. Because I feel like right after this, I, I throw on a uh, Jizz's Liquid Swords. Like, I feel like that was around the same time as well. Listen, if anyone knows anything about Jizz's Liquid Swords, it's it's me because I remember being. At the uh, the K- campus community radio station CHRY York University, and uh, my friends who really loved hip hop just came and said, "Dude, you got to listen to this record." And I'm like, "Why?" It's like, "Just listen to it." And then, you know, it's there. It, they take samples from uh, the the English dub version of Lone Wolf and Cub called Shogun Assassin. I'm like, "Hey, this sounds familiar. What the fuck?" And then, you know, it, it launches into the music. I'm like, "Yeah, who's this? This is this is Jizza from uh, fucking Wu Tang and shit." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." I know about that. I know about that record. Don't you worry about that, John. That's why I brought it up. I knew. I knew exactly. I knew you would know exactly what I was talking about. So I figured uh, it's safe to throw it out there. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy for to be on this show. I'm happy to talk about this match. Like I, I you know, honestly, it makes me want to watch more of this because like this is the type of style. Um, and it's funny because after this, I, I had seen the match originally that you reviewed with Pollock. I'm like, you know, what? let me throw it on before we record. And I forgot the match was like 45 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna have time to watch this match. But I definitely want to go back in and watch more of, of this era of old Japan. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely if you if you like Crawford in this match, definitely if you if you if you recognize him from, you know, him and Furnace's you know, cup of coffee in the WBF, that's not really great because like I think Vince just decided, oh, you guys are gonna be you guys are boring, so I'm gonna push you as a boring guys like like he would do with Landstorm later on, but they're not boring. You just have to watch any of this stuff as the Can Am Express in, in Japan, especially. I don't think they really have that kind of a a standing run in, in ECW either because they're not really suited no. for 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 that for that promotion but you know definitely can watch the match with Kobashi and Kikuchi watch uh their matches with the British Bulldogs I think they have some matches with the Malenkos uh any combination of maybe Misawa Kobashi there's there's a lot of stuff I actually have like a seven disc DVD set that I bought a long time ago of all their matches in all Whoa, Japan for wrestling really? so it's it's somewhere I think I might have ripped it to my hard drive. I'd have okay. to go look again. I haven't watched it in a long time, but uh, you know, they're one of those teams like along with like 
you know, Dr. Dusty Williams and Terry Gordy is, is like one of my favorite, like, you know, foreign teams to work in Japan up there. Like those guys with the Steiner brothers, definitely very underrated. I don't think enough people know about their work in all Japan. I, I don't think enough people really, you know, give them their flowers as like a very influential tag team as well but people who know they know and 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 i think people will appreciate like the the contrast you have with Crawford, who's more of a technician and it does like kind of like the the, the the striking with the kicks and the chops and, and stuff like that with doug furnace who's more of the power wrestler but who who is also quite agile and did a lot of high flying himself as well like he's has a really beautiful frankensteiner he's actually you know very reminiscent of of, of a scott steiner Back in the day, so yeah, their brief time in WWF. When I saw Furnace, I'm like, this guy looks more like a WWF guy, but Lafon maybe not. Like I never even heard either one of them talk. I feel like I don't think they ever got any promo time in WWF. So it makes me definitely want to check out more of their work. Uh, if I ever get the chance to bump into a Robin Day, I'm definitely going to ask him about this match. I'm not sure how he speaks of his time in Japan, but I'm sure he must have like held this match like close to heart. It must be in his own personal favorite matches. You would think. Yeah, you should ask him. I don't know. I know. I don't think he was a huge fan of going to Japan. You know, because like I, I remember like seeing like a shoot interview or transcripts or something where he's like just like, you know, he didn't really he you know because he, he's kind of a free spirit. He he thought like Japan was too uh, conformist for him, and of course he he cannot smoke weed in Japan. So. I, I was just gonna say that I'm pretty sure that that probably didn't make him too happy either. So so if he did, and he got caught. When, wouldn't have been a very good time for for Mr. Van Dam. So like I, I don't think these uh, these are the kind of things that he. He would enjoy. I, I, I'm sure he he appreciates his time in Japan, but you'd have to ask him, did you like your time in Japan? But but maybe just stick stick to like asking about this particular match. Wait, what did you think about your match with Dan Crawford back in the back in Budokan Hall? Like I, one of the biggest crowds he had he had wrestled in front of at the time. So there you go. All right. Well, John, thank you for being on the show. Any any uh, anything to plug? I mean, you already, you already did it. You're wearing the shirt. You're rocking the, the shot in the dark. But, uh, yeah, every Thursday on the Poison Rana feed, uh, hear me talk about all these shows that, that you probably will never watch. You personally, WH, like a, like a NWA or a uh, New, Japan, well, New Japan Strong just came to an end, like this era of New Japan Strong. So um, what are you going to replace New Japan Strong with? There's plenty out there. MLW has a second show coming out, so I'll be talking about that. Uh, Woman of Wrestling, which I thought was going to be like a limited 13-episode series, is up to episode 20, so that's keeping When are you going to start covering reality of wrestling? You know what's funny? I've tried to watch reality wrestling here or there, but it's, it's really hard to, to to catch, I feel like, at least my Well, I, I, I've been watching clip matches from reality mm-hmm. wrestling because I'm really getting into this independent wrestler that, that came out of there, Brian Keith. Okay. So he has a lot of matches over there. So I'm actually I'm gonna is Brian Keith is the one that wears like the the cowboy hat, right? Yes, he's, okay. he's he does the bounty hunter gimmick. I'm actually gonna be poncho. seeing I'm gonna be seeing him wrestle this uh this Friday at a House of Glory. Well, you take a picture with him with the five pillars shirt. See what he says. I I, I, I think he's a fan of the show. Maybe that, that that is a possibility. I just got an email before recording with the the tracking number, and it says it should be here within a day or two. So if it gets here before Friday. Don't worry. I'll be. I'll take a I'm, just for you. I'll take a picture with uh with Mr. Keith there with the five the new five. You, you, you tell him I, I I'm I'm enjoying watching his matches okay. on the YouTube gimmick here. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do that. But yeah, besides that, I'll occasionally jump in on you know I'm like the uh the third man here in the in the BDE. So you'll you'll catch me on up next. I do a show monthly with B Detroit called What Up Though that you would actually like. We talk a lot about hip hop. You know, not mostly '90s hip hop. We talk about pop culture, movies, video games. Have you checked out the Last of Us show yet? I feel like you would like that. I, I I have the first episode. 
Okay. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I, I might like, you know, get like five episodes and then just binge it. Yeah. In, in preparation for for Mandalorian season three. Well, that's exactly why I brought it up. I feel like you would love Pedro Pascal's work here. And even, even if you don't play the video game or know nothing about it, I feel like it's a, it's a really good drama. It's a really good uh, show that would definitely, I feel like somebody like you would definitely, it would hook your attention. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it mainly for, you know, Pedro Pascal, I'm a big fan of, but also like it's getting a lot of rave reviews. So oh, yeah. like, I look forward to watching that. So uh, yeah, so you find John, a lot of his stuff at, uh, with the with the Poison Rana feed. But also yep. here at, at post wrestling, he he likes to he likes to get uh, the invite from like John Way to to do stuff with with on the on uh, the uh, what what would you say like Poison Rana is uh, I don't know if if uh, if if if, if post wrestling is AEW then Poison Rana is what because uh, I don't I don't I kind of it's you know it's Jason. It's not Jason, lesser or say, anything. Okay, we'll, we'll swing it back to Wu Tang. So, if, if post wrestling is the Wu Tang clan, then Poison Rana is like the Killer Army, the Sons of Man, oh, like, you know, the offshoot, the Killer Bees, basically. So, yeah, I'm, I I'm see. A, that's I'm a, a good one. There we go. We'll, we'll go with you, that. You one. know, you should throw up that uh, that picture of like the Wu Tang clan as members of the of, of uh, who who would who would in the post wrestling universe would be members of the Wu Tang clan. I have to dig it up. I know there's like an official listing out there, but I'm sure it could have shuffle around depending on uh certain people's moods or whatever but uh, i think last last we checked i think you were capadonna because uh capadonna is the one the one that likes to to wear a lot of different he's he's like the mentor he's the one that taught a lot of them how to how to how to rap just like i feel like you taught all of us about wrestling and he's also <laughs> the, the the wardrobe king he he likes to to wear a lot of clothes and talk about clothes a lot so and obviously you wearing that that's that's the highest where, where can right people there, find right? this t-shirt this is on Pro Wrestling Tees. It's still available there. Just t- type in Shine the Dark or Up Next. It is on the Up Next page still. And uh, yeah, please support if you if you if you like support, to support somebody it's, it's like very me. Comfortable. These t-shirts are very comfortable. I, I like wearing this shirt sometimes, John. When I when I do podcasts, you know, maybe with Thank like you. a button shirt over it. But it's a very comfortable shirt. I, I recommend anything from Pro Wrestling Tees. Their their sweaters really nice. Their hooded sweaters from like the Up Next one. Yeah, one of my favorite it, things to wear, especially. In this cold weather that we have here in Toronto, especially if Scrump wears it first, right? Once he, he, uh, he, he once I, I'm like, I, I smell Scrumps, you know, <laughs> uh, on, on the on the clothing. I'm like, oh my god, it reminds me of a, uh, you know, um, Chicago. Of, uh, you know, yeah, it reminds me of that pizza place he took us to. Not not Giordano's, the other one, the other deep dish pe- place. Pequots. Pe- 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, it smells like Pequots. Oddly enough, it doesn't smell like uh, uh, muffins from Mindy's. No, okay. Which is good. which is a good thing, you know. <laughs> people who know, if you know, you know. But um, yeah, John, John, you can find John Shot in the Dark. What up, though? I, I I give that a listen. I haven't I haven't checked out yet, but yeah, definitely I, check I, it I out. Plan it, it if you want to hear me talk about things that aren't wrestling related, that's you're probably your only chance would be on a show like that. So and, and listen, if you need a guide around Times Square, like there's you know you can find few fewer people who who are good about that than than, than John Cena. <laughs> There we go. He's offering offer my, my Times Square tour services. That's right. That's right. Taking me from uh, Forbidden Planet uh, down to, uh, you know, uh, the pasta place. And then, there we go. Uh, then walking around Times Square. Like, I don't fun. know why. I don't know why they keep saying, like, like I think, who was saying, like, like I think Benno was saying, uh-huh. like, I was leading people around. It's like, no, no. It was actually, it wasn't <laughs> me. You know who was leading us around was Davey. Yeah. Davey well, was yeah. the one being the tour guide. He really knows New York really well. Whenever Davey comes here to New York, he he shows me something that I don't even know about. I'm like, I live here. How do you know about this place? Like, it's it's crazy. But you know, well, it's like it's like people who visit Toronto. It's like, Davey, have you been to this? You've been here. It's like, no, I live here. I don't want to go there. Exactly. Uh, you've been, how it you is, been yeah. to Fort York, WH? 
maybe as a kid when you know I was in school. I haven't been to Fort York as an adult, no. Like I can't even remember the last time I went to the CN Tower. Maybe like two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, because I took someone there because they were visiting the city. I would never go to the CN Tower regardless. Otherwise, it's a great place to visit, actually. But like I wouldn't have any desires like do you john how many times you've been to the empire state building i was gonna say i've never been to the empire state building i've been to the statue of liberty once like for a school trip when i was like in fifth grade or something but other than that yeah i'm not gonna i live here like, yeah. what I'm gonna do well one of these days i'm gonna i'm gonna come back and uh i put apparently i have to eat a, a cuban sandwich with you or something like that yes at some cuban point sandwich. So, so there you go there's there's something to look forward to and uh we'll go to some other comic book stores that aren't midtown comics and aren't forbidden planet because i've been there they don't really have things that i want i'm kind of like Want more of those hole in the wall yeah, comic book stores? So, if yeah, if you live in the you know the New York area, you know a good hole in the wall comic book store that that has some hidden gems like this match that we just talked about. Let me know. Put it in the comments below. Send send me a you know a message on uh, on the on the Twitter gimmick. I'm at wh park nine. John, where are you on Twitter? I'm at Cenoevil on all social media. That's C N O E V I L. Send me a DM. Have any questions? Any suggestions you have? Shoot them right ahead. I'm a nice guy to talk to. Right, wh. Yes, most definitely. Yes. Anyways, John, John will be on uh, something I do in the future, probably probably with MCU later. We're gonna we're gonna be kicking that off uh, in February with uh, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Mania. As long along with I think I think Secret Invasion is gonna be coming out soon after. Yes, maybe. March. I want to say March or April. Uh, time, yeah. Yeah, and then we're gonna we're gonna need a lot of guests for uh, for Daredevil, which is looking to be what early 2024 late 2023 yeah i think so it's gonna be a lot of episodes too that's 18, that's 18 episodes yeah. everyone we're gonna need we're gonna need some new yorkers to be on this show so there we go we're gonna be going uh john john what what part of hell's kitchen is that is that the good part or what and hell's kitchen is, is one of the parts of new york i haven't been to and i, I don't know we if i want there. to <laughs> we, we, i don't live in hell's kitchen though <laughs> no but isn't kale's the hell's kitchen just been gentrified to the point where it's like not even hell's kitchen yeah. it's like hell's like like it's not it's not even Hell's Kitchen anymore. It's like you know I don't know. Uh, they, I'm sure a lot of New York. I'm sure Red Hook is probably very uh, nice this time of the year as well. So there you go. We <laughs> have to go visit. Uh, go see if we can find Taz over uh, in the Red Hook section of Brooklyn, New York. But anyways, uh, thank you, John, for for coming on the show. I hope everyone enjoyed uh, this match and our talk about it. Uh, join us again next month as as we'll talk about another match. Someone's gonna pick. I haven't decided who uh, the guest is. I have some ideas. Good call some people contact some people uh but hey until the next episode i want to thank everyone for supporting uh I, you know what i do have to do i do have to run through the people who have bought the 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 new shirt john so uh i'm gonna start from uh basically uh december here uh eric jones michael aquino neil McNerlin, ryan kurz matthew wyatt kafal cully Paul David Santos, uh, Jake from the Windy City, uh, Christopher Kent Kwan, and one John Cena was the last person to order a shirt. Well, thank you very much, John. I feel like I had to. If, if, if I came on this show and you read those names and, and, and I wasn't one of them, I feel like I would have got a scolding from Mr. WH Parks. I made sure. Well, if, you, if, you, if, I, if I had to read Brent from New Jersey's name and not yours, <laughs> I would have been like severely disappointed. But no, the, 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 same, the same day, and rest in peace to, to Jay Briscoe, but the same day I ordered my, uh, my Jay Briscoe show with all the 
the proceeds going to his family. I'm like, let me support uh, WH Park as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. And hey, yeah, go go support the Briscoe uh, Pew family um, over at Pro Wrestling Tees. Get the Jay Briscoe shirt. Rest in peace. One of my favorite wrestlers from the early 2000s. One of the reasons I, I stuck around with with uh, ROH for as long as I did was primarily for you know like the Briscoes. But also like you know American Dragon and Samoa Joe, but like Briscoe's huge part of my fandom of of uh, Ring of Honor back in the early two thousands. So yeah, uh, but yeah, for for all the listeners, store dot store dot get the t shirt, a lot of other cool stuff over there as well. And until next time, I will say goodbye.